The following is a presentation of WAER Sports, the original home of the Orangemen. And then she lands, and she landed maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes before the start of the game. But keep in mind, the area has been blanketed by like a, at least a foot of snow. So she's got to Uber from the airport to the dome, which under normal circumstances, a very easy drive on 81. They do so in a day littered with questions. They're on their way to the quarterfinals if it happens on one of the wackiest days that you can possibly remember. And fans, due to unforeseen circumstances, the game tonight has been postponed. You are all safe. Pop, let's stay safe. Let's stay safe, Jack. For a lot of us, life amidst the chaos that is this pandemic is actually pretty simple. It's hard to be inside all the time. When will this end? Will this end? Those are the echoes of this time. But there's also the, thank goodness I'm safe. Thank goodness my family is safe. It's fascinating that in the middle of all of those questions, and they're warranted ones, that we go back to two things, ourselves, and by extension, our families. Well, I've got three family members who still live in Westchester. My mom in White Plains, my sister lives in Larchmont, and then my grandmother is in a senior living facility in Rybrook. So they're all within about 20 minutes of one another. And my biggest concern was my grandmother. She's in her 90s. And so that facility now is closed to anybody from the outside. Um, but, you know, knowing that the people who are most susceptible to the disease or to the virus are in an upper age bracket. You, I, I still worry about that every day, but we're able to video chat with her when she's able to figure out how to use FaceTime, which is on and off. That's the sound of ESPN play-by-play broadcaster Mike Cousins. The two all out toward right field, strong line drive. Martinez on the run. He looks up and can't get it. It bounces off the wall. Perez is around third. He'll come in to score. And Merrifield, on his way to third, is in there standing. RBI triple for Whit Merrifield. He's knocked in both runs today for Kansas City, and it's two nothing Royals in the fourth. Cousins' path to the major leagues didn't start at the radio station in Syracuse. When I arrived on campus, the first place that I went after Brewster Hall and I set up my dorm room with my mom was over to Manley Fieldhouse and to the basketball offices. I was a basketball player in high school. Now, you notice I don't say I played basketball in high school because I sat on the bench. So I was on the team. I was a player, but I didn't play. And so I started out as a manager. So I would go to practice every day. I would rebound. I'm 6'4", so they would sometimes put me under the basket as a very bad big man just to be a token body for some of the big men then. Uh, Rick Jackson. There was Devin Brennan McBride, which is a real blast from the past. Christoph Ongenot was there. And so I would do that. And I did that until about February. And I realized that it wasn't going to be my path, but uh, I really got into Z, Z89 and WAER once I left the basketball side of things. Syracuse University celebrated graduation this weekend, but it of course wasn't at SU. We saw messages from plenty of alums, from famous broadcasters, from the band The Chainsmokers, and even a presidential nominee. But it was Mike's Twitter soliloquy that might have had the deepest message. 
Okay, so graduation in 2020 is gonna be a little bit different, but there are a few things that remain the same no matter what year you graduated from Newhouse. Number one, you now have a degree from the best communication school in the United States. Number two is that you are now part of a family, the Newhouse family that stands from coast to coast and will support you no matter where you go around the globe. And lastly, piece of advice I wanna leave you with. Embrace your new world, your new job, whether you're a reporter, producer, editor, director, wherever this world takes you, embrace it with curiosity and humility, and those things will serve you well. Congrats, Newhouse grads. Thanks for joining us on Talkback. I'm Cooper Boardman. This week, we'll look at three stories that revolve around family and the many things that the word family means to us. A reminder, too, that you can find Talkback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you can subscribe. Today, this is a WAER Sports podcast dedicated to the seniors whose time at Ostrom Avenue was cut short. You all and those who preceded you taught us what being a part of a family could mean. You also taught us how to tell a good story. Here's our best shot. Howard gets a wide open look straight away, and he makes the Irish pay. It's January 6th, 2018. Syracuse is playing Notre Dame in the Carrier Dome. It's a Saturday, an ACC basketball Saturday, and Mike Cousins is back where he called games for WAER. Battles on the move. He lost it. Gebbin feeds it ahead. Gibbs up the floor. No. Fluger puts it in. 2.6 to play. The orange down the floor, and a heave is short. A turnover is the difference as Notre Dame wins on the road in Syracuse 51-49. These two teams will both finish on the NCAA tournament bubble. It's an important game, but something way more important is rolling around in Mike's head. His girlfriend Erin is there with him, her first time ever in Syracuse. And Mike's got a plan, one that's about to be derailed by a classic Syracuse situation. But her flight out was canceled on Friday night from Cleveland trying to get to Syracuse. So she gets on a 6 a.m. through like Newark or something like that. And then she lands and she landed maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes before the start of the game. But keep in mind, the area has been blanketed by like at least a foot of snow. So she's got to Uber from the airport to the dome, which under normal circumstances, a very easy drive on 81. But there's game traffic. You know, it's 25,000 people coming to an SU basketball game in the middle of a snowstorm. So once she landed, I, I was okay. But she didn't actually get to the game until halftime. So that was a little nerve wracking because... Hi, I'm Mike. This is Aaron, and we're at the Carrier Dome here in Syracuse, which is home to a lot of snow, Syracuse basketball, and for some time, me. I've learned that home is wherever I'm with Aaron. And so today it comes full circle in Syracuse here inside the Carrier Dome, a place where I began an important chapter of my life. And so I'm hoping that here is where we can begin an important chapter of our life together. So with that, Erin Marie Beadle, will you marry me? Oh my God, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. The capper is to that, that when we got to the airport the next morning, our flight had been delayed so much that we were gonna miss our connection. 
And so we got, I believe, the last rental car at the airport and then drove five hours home uh, on the highway. And uh, it was, uh, it's now a really good story, even though it was pretty frustrating at the time. What's important isn't about it being perfect. And frankly, your family doesn't really care. Even the biggest day of Mike Cousins' life was altered. According to uh, our history, there had to be something that went wrong. So it was supposed to be an outdoor ceremony. We were down in Tennessee where her family lives. And it rained really hard the morning of. So we did it all under a tent, but uh, it went off well. And uh, fortunately, the honeymoon had no travel hiccups. Actually, that's a lie. Uh, I was trying to paint a rosy picture, but on the way home, we went to Tahiti for our honeymoon. And on our way home, we were flying through Los Angeles. And my grandfather had passed away right before um, we left for the wedding and everything. And so my family had waited to do a service until after we got back. So what I didn't realize is I booked our return trips. We we're going to go um, Los, Ange or Los Angeles to Houston to Cleveland. We did not allow ourselves enough, enough time to go through customs and change terminals. So as we're getting our bags off of the baggage carousel coming back from Tahiti, we're looking at our watches and going, well, our flight is boarding right now. So I don't think we're getting home today. And then we took a flight the next morning at 6 a.m. across the country to Dallas and drove to Virgi further into Virginia for my grandfather's, my grandfather's funeral, which I attended in jeans and a short sleeve button down shirt. So <laughs> not everything's going to go according to plan, but it was June in Southern Virginia, so it was pretty hot, so I actually was way more comfortable than had I worn a suit. My mother's parents always drove up to see us. They had retired down to Virginia, um, but we would see them for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for every major holiday. So, and I'm named after him. I'm Michael John, like he was as well. So um, I don't cry very often, but I did uh, when I spoke at the, at the service. So I was very fortunate that my, my family waited for us to return for that. That's a big moment, and sometimes we don't let those points feel very big. For Cousins, a play-by-play -play broadcaster, things are always chaotic. It's a new city every weekend. It's two new teams to call. The constant motion of his job makes life hurry. Think about how different that is right now. Life has stopped instead of hurried. And that lets Mike realize what he really appreciates most about what he does. I really do miss the people and the stories of things because for me the actual sporting event is kind of like a cherry on top to all this other stuff i'm just a very curious person so i love to be able to travel to new places that i might never otherwise go and i love to meet new people and meet fascinating people and meet people who are some of the best at what they do in the world and so i do miss that part of it and i realized that's what i really thrive off of that I know I could never sit at a desk every day of my life that I need to go out and do these things because it's fulfilling for my inner flame, if you will, to keep me going. I think it means the world to me. I don't think it. I know it. I mean, WAER, when I look back at Syracuse, and this is taking nothing away from Newhouse or the professors or my friends, but I think of WAER first. And 
you know, the, the, the guys and girls that I work with there, I'm still in touch with nearly all of them. Some of them to this day are still my best friends in the world. But it was because of WAER that that brought us together. And it taught me broadcasting. It taught me play-by-play. It taught me life on the road. Um, it taught me so many different things. And uh, one of the biggest thrills I had was at the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. I was calling Syracuse in the tournament. They lost that game to Baylor. But, you know, we put the WAER crew on the air. And, and to me, that that meant a lot to me. And I'm sure I knew it meant a lot to them. But it, it meant a lot to me to be able to, to showcase, you know, what I think is one of the premier college radio stations in the country. So, you know, when you ask me about WAER, I could go on and on about what it's meant to me and what it still means to me to this day. There's Andrew Catalan. He graduated from Syracuse in 2001, and his focus when he left was on local television. I was obsessed with play-by-play in college. AER was was everything to me, and announcing football, basketball, lacrosse games. I was all over the map, even went to the Great Alaska Shootout with the basketball team my senior year. But then my senior year at Syracuse, I did a TV internship at WTBH under Kevin Marr, and I just really fell in love with local TV. I just thought that that maybe would be my my way in. And um, sure enough, right after graduation, I got a job in local TV in Burlington, Vermont. And then I moved on to Albany, New York. And it was then where I kind of I missed the play-by-play, the adrenaline of the games. And I, I started to kind of get back into it when I could. And it, it just really was something I missed doing. And that's why I kind of flipped the switch and, and went to play-by-play. The journey from local sports TV to play-by-play for Andrew came in a pretty untraditional way. It also helped him to understand the unifying nature of sports around the world. For a spot in the trials. Easy then, right off, right off, right off. All right, okay. Judge, your judge, your judge. Hard, hard, it's running hard. Gotta go! Didn't get it. Not there. Schuster comes up just short. He can't believe it, and Brady Clark has clinched a spot in the Olympic trials. And now Andrew is full-time at CBS, where he calls NFL games and March Madness. Overset was open, batter didn't see him. Hughes shoots another three. And we've got a three-point bonanza in the early going here. The NCAA tournament is one of the biggest stages in sports. The power of those moments comes from just the small gestures they provide. It's so simple, coming home at the end of the day, you flip on a game, and the habits that you build over years and years have all of a sudden now been taken away. Andrew Catalan calls golf as well for CBS, and as we speak, golf is supposed to be the first sport to return. It's set for a June 11th restart. I just think that we all miss live sporting events, whether it's golf or NBA or NHL or now baseball would be in full swing. And, you know, I think that void is there. We're so used to just getting home at night and putting a game on, and we haven't been able to do that. So, you know, I just think that the big thing is we don't know, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. everything changes so much day to day, week to week, even hour to hour sometimes that it's so hard to predict. But there's a lot of things to be optimistic about. I think what you referenced in June, let's hope that it stays on that path and when we do get golf back and some of these other sports start to come back. And uh, I think, you know, even if it's without fans, that it's just um, it would be great to be able to come home at night and put a game on or a, or a, or a, a match on, whatever the case may be. 
Also during this downtime, Catalan made himself available to help the industry's younger generation. Back in April, he put out a tweet, a call to all aspiring sportscasters, and he promised direct and honest feedback. 179 people responded with examples of their work. I've thought a lot about just how disappointing it must be to either be a high school senior or a college senior. You're getting shortchanged on a lot of, you know, what are, what are probably some of the best months of your life. And, you know, specifically to college seniors getting ready to graduate and going out in the job market. You know, I wanted to give a little bit of hope, a little bit of optimism. And I, also, I like giving the feedback. And I remember what it meant to me when I was in that position to have a Len Berman or an Ian Eagle or a Gary Apple uh, listen to one of my tapes or one of my reels and to write me an email and to say what they thought of it and what I should work on. And, you know, that meant a lot to me. And it was something I wanted to give back to some people who now, especially at the college level, are, you know, going through a tough time, as we all are, but specifically entering that job market. I wanted to provide maybe a little hope and a little optimism. And uh, it was a fun project for me. And it, and it seemed like the response was, was well received. And, um, you know, again, it meant a lot to me when I was in that position and I wanted to give back now. Bill Roth was at Syracuse back in the 1980s. Jim Beheim was less than 10 years into his coaching reign. And there was a place on Marshall Street called Bugsy's Back Alley Bar. During that time, Bill's classmates included some SU greats. Every single person in that class was doing everything they could for success and also finding opportunities. One year we had a budget crunch and we weren't going to have enough money to make a couple of road trips, including a football game at Mississippi State and a football game at Virginia Tech. Uh, Starkville and Blacksburg, too far to drive. And I met with the athletics director, Jay Krautham, and I said, can you get us on the team charter? Get us on the team charter, please. And he said, what will you do for us? And I said, well, what do you need? He said, well, how about if you guys do stats and provide a public an address announcer for every women's basketball game? So I said, you have got yourself a deal. So that covered our travel to go to Starkville and Blacksburg uh, way back that season. And we ended up doing public address. We would rotate people through stats and PA, and the games were played at Manly Fieldhouse back then. And... We always found it curious that Tariko wanted to do stats. He would, like, miss a men's basketball road trip to do a women's basketball home game so he could do stats. And we always found that to be a little bit curious at the beginning. And then we kind of put two and two together that Mike thought the point guard was cute. And that point guard, of course, was Debbie Gibberets, who was one of the star basketball players on that team. And so Mike would miss road games with the men's team to do stats for the women's team. And, of course, Debbie Gibberets became Debbie Tarico. So, in a way, Mike owes Jake Krauthamel a thank you for introducing him to uh, his bride and uh, his loving wife. Tarico's career has followed Debbie. Their family moved back to Michigan, the state that Debbie grew up in as a star athlete. For Bill Roth, his roots are at Virginia Tech. He left Syracuse in 1987. He started in Blacksburg in 1988. And quickly, Bill became synonymous with the Hokies. Thomas is in the shotgun, takes the snap, fakes the handoff, fires to the end zone to the tight end. He's got it. Martin hauls it in. Touchdown Tech, Logan Thomas. 
Flips it right over the middle to the senior from Woodbridge for the first score of the year. How about that, Eric Martin? What a great play. Fan. In 2015, he finally left Blacksburg, and he went as far away as he could. Bill Roth landed the job at UCLA, the premier program in the capital of the entertainment world. But then Bill left after just one season in L.A. Leaving UCLA is like breaking up with the prettiest girl in school. Everyone wants to know why. And it just wasn't the right fit for me. And the people there are really nice. And the money was really good. And clearly it's an iconic program. And between Poly Pavilion and the Rose Bowl, you won't find two more iconic venues to play. Uh, and it's the same station. The only two st teams on that station are the Dodgers and the Bruins. So there's a lot of great things about the job. But uh, as I turned 50, I was like, you know what? I, there's other things I, I want to do. Our idealized goals have become more and more shared. Who could say no to the perfect job? Who could pass up the fame that'll lead to happiness, right? We're taught that recognition is the answer. You know, I think when you want it, what you want as a 20-year-old is different than when you're 30 or when you're 40. And clearly for me, it was when I was 50. I remember very vividly the Bruins had played a game and I'm not sure, I guess it was Colorado and really exciting football game. And I must have had three or four really good calls. And I'm driving back home from uh, Pasadena where the Rose Bowl is and I'm cu cutting through downtown LA and it was just a beautiful night. It was the golden hour and the the sun's setting, and, and so L.A. is all lit up, and it's a colorful city to begin with, and the lights are flashing uh, at L.A. Live. And I'm driving right by it, and I'm listening to the radio, and, and I'm hearing my calls on an update on the station. And, and it was neat for about two seconds. And, and I thought to myself, why am I not enjoying this, right? This is kind of what the whole thing is, right? I'm on my way home from the Rose Bowl after calling a big game, and there were 100,000 people. And I'm going to go out. There was a party that night. I'm, I'm going to one of those really cool um, West Hollywood parties. And I, I was just like, this, this isn't for me. And then later that same year, UCLA played Kentucky in basketball and won. And it was one of those games where, you know, uh, everybody who's everybody is there. It's Vital and Shulman are calling the game. And, and it's... Every Hollywood star is lining uh, the baseline and courtside seats all the way around. And I just wasn't into it. And it was like, you know, if I can't get excited about this, I'm missing something because it doesn't get a whole lot better. And I just didn't fit. It, it, I should say it didn't fit for me. And maybe if I was 35 years old, I would have I stayed and, and, oh, you know, maybe in 20 years I'll, I'll, I'll get to like this. But I'd kind of already done that. You know, I'd already done the team thing for so many years at Virginia Tech and, and – was around that, and I wasn't quite as excited about it once I got there. And now Bill is back to what's become another home at Virginia Tech. He isn't calling games for the Hokies as he did for more than two decades, but that doesn't mean he's left broadcasting. His schedule's now filled with games for ESPN and Westwood One. Bolajai lobs it up, and Sidibe soaring and slamming it home. Cards 47, Orange 40. Bolajai only had the ball for a split second. But Roth also came back to Virginia Tech in 2016. He did it to help develop the sports media and analytics concentration. He's building this brand new broadcasting program at Tech, one that's based on the experiences that he had at Syracuse 
and beyond. In a lot of ways, we're duplicating the Newhouse and WAER model at Virginia Tech, but we've also taken a little bit of what they do at Oklahoma State and what they do at the University of Georgia, and there's a great demand for this. And Virginia Tech has a very unique type of uh, environment. Sports are really important uh, at Tech, and they're not only important to the fan base and the students, but the whole constituency. Uh, so the deans are on board with it, and the, the president of the university is on board with it. And so, you know, there are only two schools in the ACC that are getting their students in, involved with ACC Network on air, and that's Syracuse and Virginia Tech. Uh, we've had several opportunities to have completely student-run broadcasts, not only talent, but in the, in the production room. Uh, like Syracuse, Tech's invested about $10 million into a studio. Uh, and, and so what they're doing, you know, every baseball game and every softball game, and they're doing shows, and, and they needed someone to help lead that on the student side. And SU had had a 50-year head start, but uh, I was able to meet with, meet, meet with people at SU. Um, John Nicholson was really helpful. Olivia Stomsky was helpful. Uh, I mean, these are all friends of mine. You know, Dean Branham, a dear friend of mine. You know, we talked an awful lot about it. Can, how do we get this going? How do I do it? What can we do that SU can't? Uh, what can SU do that we shouldn't even try to copy? And but but each school has its own strengths, and and that's what I looked at. I, I looked at Tech as a lot compared it a lot to Georgia. I think Blacksburg and Athens are very similar, and Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State because the the Big Twelve doesn't award its tier three rights to any network the schools have always produced it and that's why you see Kansas Jayhawks have their own their own network and everybody in that league does and so did Oklahoma State and that school was able to really get students some fantastic opportunities and so I thought the same thing could happen at Tech and it's happened so this year for example while we don't know what the schedule is but we're gonna have seven of our Virginia Tech students calling summer league or minor league baseball games and I'm really excited about that and from different leagues all over the country and four years ago, we didn't have any kids doing that. As much as Bill took away from his time at SU, it's a figure from his long years spent at Virginia Tech that guide much of who he is. I, I look at it more as a, I'm not necessarily a professor in as much as I am kind of a mentor or a coach. So I'm listening to their tapes all the time. And, and you know, it's really hard. This is a hard business. And it doesn't matter if you're an undergraduate or you graduated a couple years ago. You're still part of our, gr our network and our group. And we want to help you out. And they're always welcome to come back into our studio. And our studio is always open for people that have come through our program. And even if you graduated in the class of 2016 or even before that, if you want to come back and freshen up your tape or cut a tape at the stadium, we'll take care of you and we will make that happen. And, and I think that's what it's about. Uh, it's, a, it's a people business. It's, it's a relationship business. And I want our people to, to feel like they have a home here. And, and the thing is this, it's like not that dissimilar to Virginia Tech, I think, uh, the, to Syracuse. I think kids come back to SU. We always love coming back to AER. And, and I think our alums are coming back and giving back now just like the group at Syracuse does. Tech and Ohio State tonight. I'm joined by the coach. Boy, this is going to be fun tonight. Let's talk about the game and the event itself, first of all, coach. Prime time, over 105,000 people here. I think people like Frank Beamer have had a big influence on me that work really hard, it's okay to be really competitive yet treat people nice. And, and I think if you look at guys like Coach Beamer, they were like that. And I, I think his attention to detail, his ability to delegate, his ability to always credit others when things go wrong and accept blame when things go poorly 
is huge. And, and I learned an awful lot from him about that because I think that if Frank Beamer hadn't been a Hall of Fame football coach, he could have been a tremendously successful Fortune 500 CEO. Uh, how you treat people is how you make it in any business, whether it is in broadcasting or writing or any, any type of journalism. There are a lot of really talented people out there that can't get jobs. And you wonder, well, well why? What are they doing wrong? He's so good. She's so good. And, and a lot of it is, is their relationships with people. Every business is a relationship business. And so I think I've learned that from Frank. So in a way, uh, he was my uh, role model in that regard. You know, my dad, like, that's going to be the cop-out answer, right? Because my dad's the one that bought me my first tape recorder. My dad's the guy that paid for my college tuition at SU. So, um, but, you know, people in the business, I, we're, we're all kind of cut from the same cloth, all us AER guys. You know, it seems like we... we we like the same silly music. We, we, we read Malcolm Gladwell. We're, we're into the same kind of uh, philosophies of, of, of what's important to us. And, and so I don't know, I don't know what, why that is, but, but we have a, a, a group texts and, and we all kind of communicate with each other in that regard. So much of life is about treating people the right way. That's how you find your bonds. Family isn't just the people you're born with. It's the people that you trust and that you cherish life with. Well, family means a lot to me, and it's been a tough few years for me. I've lost both my parents and two of my sisters here uh, in the last few years. So that's been difficult. But I think family can be more than just your, your blood relatives and, and the people that you go to school with or the people that you work with. Uh, and, and, and I think that when we look at our AER family, whether you're in the class of uh, 72 or 2022, uh, we all share something in common, and, and and that's more than just, you know, lousy weather and crappy dining hall food. I mean, we, we, we have a, a love of, 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 of SU and what it stands for and a, and a passion for our craft of broadcasting, and we, we look up to people like Marty Glickman, who, who kind of started this whole thing of, of giving back to the next group and... and the, the power of, of the collective effort, I think, the power of teamwork, that's probably what family means. So uh, when we're all in it together, you guys are turning out some really good programming. And, and when we do a, a game on ESPN and there's 30 people all working it together for, for those six, seven hours, that, that, that's a family, right? We're all working together in, in a collective effort. And I think that that's kind of what uh, family would mean to me. Uh, outside of the, the blood relatives that we each have. Graduation passed at Syracuse this week, and there literally wasn't enough pomp and circumstance. There's no other option, of course, but we still care. We care about the people who won't come back to work at WAER, but we also know they'll always be a part of the family. Hughes, top of the key, met by Jordan Usher. Works on him, step back, jumper won't go. Sidibe with the offensive rebound, layup up and good, and the foul. Gerard trying to add to a six-point lead, drives down the alley, kicks right corner. Elijah Hughes triggers and hits from distance. He's got eight points, no ill will after the injury kept him out on Saturday, and the Orange have a nine-point lead. Gets the ball now inside, Joe Gerard up top, three, splash. Joe Gerard III, cool hand Luke out there. He looks comfortable. It's a 14-point lead for SU. 
Buddy Bayheim holding it and surveying the score. Beats Garrier on the right side. Jab step against Bayheim. Dribbles inside the paint. Floats it up with the right hand and makes it. Fancy move for Quincy Garrier. He's up to seven. Buddy in transition. They leave him open. And he hits. Buddy Bullseye for three. 33-26. UNC. But Syracuse is coming. They go back to Dolajai. A skip. Almost went out of bounds. Left corner three. Gerard. Swish. Tie game at JPJ, 9.40 left. Under 10 to go now. Hughes starts to work. Eli steps back, three, no. Tapped rebound back to Goodine. Put back, yes, with 1.5. Bryson Goodine. This place erupts. The author Anthony Brandt writes, quote, other things may change us, but we start and end with the family. End quote. Our deepest thanks to the WAER family from the beginning and to the finish. Thank you for joining us for our sixth episode and also a big thank you to Mike Cousins, Andrew Catalan and Bill Roth for their time. This was a WAER sports podcast produced by Carl Mogline, along with reporting from Corey Spector, Will Scott and Jaron May. I'm Cooper Boardman. Thanks to the class of 2020. We'll talk to you next week.